Hello, and welcome to the Flannel Manifesto with Brian and Afshin. Adults-only podcast. If you have any kids in the room, get those little fuckers out of there. Hey, everybody. We've been gone for a little while, but we're back with another episode of the Flannel Manifesto. Let's uh, quick rundown what we're going to talk about today, in today's episode. We've got Badger Basketball first, uh, talk a little bit about their uh, mini winning streak, the Cleveland Cavaliers situation, obviously we're both very interested in and have some, some thoughts, and then uh, media updates, we are back from our big Breckenridge ski trip, and Afshin has an Uber experience to share. Oh yeah. It's going to be juicy. Yeah, yeah. Another another investigative journalism report yep. inside, you know. Inside Uber. Yes. And then uh, we have a few quick hits that we'll get to to wrap things up. But let's uh, let's talk Badger basketball first. They're on a three-game winning streak. I'm, I'm shocked. We beat Michigan State and Indiana with Penn State sandwiched in between. Yeah. And Michigan State, was that at Michigan State? Uh, no, that was in okay. Madison. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And but Indiana? Indiana was at home as okay. well. But still impressive. Uh, they beat Penn State on the road. And, you know, I don't think we should take anything for granted, any wins for granted with right. this team. But, you know, this is exactly what we were talking about early, where we have the skill to keep up with the big teams. Yeah. Um, and we just need consistency. That's why we're losing to terrible terrible teams is because we were not being consistent and we weren't playing um, up, you know, we weren't playing at the talent level we could. Right. But we've seen the highs that we have now and it looks like we finally figured out how to close those games. Yeah, and, and let's put it this way. They've lost four Big Ten games by a total of 15 points. So lost to Purdue by five, or six, excuse me, Indiana by one, Maryland by three, and Northwestern by five. Yeah. Those are four solid teams, and they've been in each one of those games. Right. You know, it comes down to closing and having a closer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as we saw in the game against Indiana, maybe Nigel has finally found his groove. He had 31 points on a very high shooting percentage. Yeah, he took 22 most free throws. Most of, yeah, he got to the line. Mm-hmm. He was he was tremendous. Ethan Happ was incredible in that game. Right. What I love, and this is like quintessential Wisconsin basketball, Ethan Happ was going against Thomas Bryant for Indiana. Thomas Bryant, McDonald's All-American, right. big-time recruit. Ethan Happ, good basketball player, was recruited by a Division One school, not a McDonald's All-American, redshirted his freshman year, and, and was it, dominating him. And it, let's be honest, it's one thing uh, to be recruited by, you know, a Division One school. It's sort of thing when that only school you've been recruited by is Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Because there's a certain type of player we go for, and it's not necessarily the most talented players. No. But he was destroying McDonald's All-American Thomas Bryant in the post. Right. At one point, Thomas Bryant turned to his teammates and gave this look like, I have no idea how to guard this guy. Right. And it was it's it was it's tremendous. So he had I think he had twenty five and eight, and I think he's Ethan Happ is also leading the Big Ten in double doubles, which is which is awesome. And the other guy that I want to talk about is uh, Jordan Hill. Yeah, who was buried on the bench 
when Bo Ryan was a coach. I well, I also think he was shooting thirty percent from field goal for the season. Yeah, but he exploded against Indiana. Yeah, He's what been, was he? Uh, like five of seven from the field. Yeah, play hit some big shots. Was was taking the ball to the basket. Um, playing really good defense. I think he right. drew a couple charges in that game against Indiana last night. And, uh, I, yeah, I, you know, again, I don't know if it's guard or what, but he's getting, seems like he's getting a little more out of a couple of guys. Right. So, I, I, I'm not willing to say it's guard yet because okay. the team always had this potential. And as we said, even when um, Bo Ryan was a coach, they need to figure things out. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if that's a matter of time, getting some big games, finally some big games under their belts. You know, you know, a lot of young guys getting used to the bright lights and, you know, playing 30 minutes a game. Yeah. But I, you do have to give get Greg Gard credit, you know. Yeah. Be, the, beating the number 10 and number 19 teams in the country in, in, within a week. How do you think he's doing so far? I mean, obviously, you give him some credit, but I mean, how, where do you think he stands in terms of his long-term future as the head coach of Wisconsin basketball, you know, I, I think it's still too early to tell. It's it's yeah. been nine games and we we've won, but I think we what I'd like to see is how do we close the rest of the season? Mm-hmm. You know, right now we, I feel like we've turned a corner. Let's see if we've actually turned the corner. Let's close out strong, and you know, get a good showing in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, yeah. You know, even if we don't go to the uh, to the NCAA championships or, you know, the tournament. tournament. Yeah. If Even if we're looking at an NIT berth, um, I still think a good showing in the Big Ten tournament and a strong push in the Sweet 16 means that we keep them regardless of who's available. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think... I think the team has responded to him. They play hard for him. Uh, all those things are, are positive signs. And, yeah, I think it's just a matter of we got to see how we finish. Right. Because, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, I, I do think we have to do well. You know, if we have a first-round exit in the NIT. That's um, not good. That's not good for him. Because he's got to, you know, he's got to do better than that. The NIT is second tier. And I do think that we, I, you know, we are a 64, um, a top 64 team. With our talent. Right. You know? Right. So I think it's on the coach to to bring us there. It's a little late for that, but got to get a couple wins in that NIT. Yeah. To stay. Yeah. So Otherwise, I say, look, let's look at all, all our options. Yeah. Uh, it'll be weird to watch Wisconsin uh, in the NIT. It's been quite a, quite a long time since they've, can we they've hope, played in that tournament. Can we hope if we win out on the Big Ten, is that, you know? Yeah, they could make the tournament. If they win out, that's uh, they'd be 20, I believe they'd be 21-9 and nine overall. And they'd have double-digit Big Ten wins. Yep. And they'd have a lot of quality wins because they would have beaten Maryland. I think uh, they play Michigan State again. And they also play uh, Iowa. So if they win out, they're going to have a lot of quality wins. Yeah. So, yeah. So so they're still... It's it's not over. They could still make the tournament. But um, we'll say this. Good thing for Greg Gard that he is not coaching LeBron James. Yeah. Because he might not have a job. Yeah. So, um, David Blatt fired as Cleveland Cavaliers head coach. And officially, 
the the Cavaliers <laughs> have put out that LeBron James was not part of the decision making process, but we all know he was. Absolutely, we all know he was. He's not. You know, we were. I was having this debate yesterday after uh, we played pickup basketball. Yeah, um, you know, we went uh, got some food. We were talking about this, and there were several people who were like, "Oh, LeBron did nothing wrong," and. My view, and I think this was very apparent to anyone who watched any Cavs game last season, or even if you just watched the NBA Finals, he was undermining his coach yes. every single time out. Yep. Every every single time David Blatt drew up a play. He scratched it. He, yeah. He, he would stand behind David Blatt, shaking his head, yeah. indicating to the teammates that he thought what David Blatt was doing was dumb. Um, he and this season it continued, where he wouldn't even look at David Blatt during the timeouts, and he just go would go confer with Teron Lu. Yeah, and he he acted this way from the beginning of the season last year. He didn't give his coach a chance. No, and I think the you know you've played on sports teams. You can't have the best player openly defying the coach because then the coach, you know, what's the coach going to do to LeBron James? Right. A new coach. Because here's here's what you risk. You try disciplining LeBron James and LeBron James just says no mm-hmm. to your face. Right. What can you do about it? You can't You can't do anything. And guess what? What message that sends to the either the younger players on the roster or other player, you know, right. other veteran players. Hey. I, you know, you go the way your star goes. Right, and and even more, but because LeBron James was still undermining him, that set the tone for the rest of the players. Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating for me because everyone is giving, or maybe not everyone, a lot of people give LeBron James a pass on this because they say he's the best player. You know, it's Dan Gilbert. Dan Gilbert, the owner, is enabling him, but he's still the guy doing this stuff. Right. And he still has a choice to say, I could get away with this, I could do this, but I'm a bigger person, I'm right. not going to do it. And frankly, what concerns me is, you know, it's clear that LeBron James has a conflict of interest in all of this. Um, his, he has a sports agency. Mm-hmm. Um, he was advocating for Mark Jackson. Right. Um, who's a part of that agency. Who, yes, who's a part of that agency. And then he was advocating for Teron Liu yep. to, you know... Signed with his agency, agency owned by LeBron James, right? And he's been leveraging his agency and his contacts in the league, to and his leverage with the Cavaliers to get the Cavaliers to sign players. Tristan Thompson with his agency. Tristan Thompson is a part of LeBron James' agency, and he right. lobbied for the, Tristan Thompson's ninety million dollar contract. And we we get it, you know. Maybe you know they need him on that team. But for that money, it's it's problematic, a clear conflict of interest. And I think LeBron is, I don't know if what he's doing is looking out for the team. I think he thinks he knows what it takes to win. Right. And people give him a pass because he's a genius on the court mm-hmm. and he does incredible things. But we're forgetting, this is the same guy who quit on his team in the finals just a couple of years ago. Right. Um, this is the same guy who... Um, who who had that special on TV, right? And right. sank the knife into Cleveland's heart. Yeah, and it's the same guy who had the arrogance to say, 
Not one, not, not two, two. <laughs> not three, not four, not five, but six. Right. He came away with two. Definitely he, not two, three, left. four, five, or six. Right. <laughs> and then the rumor is, and this was um, from a minority owner of the Heat, was that he tried pulling the same thing with Eric Spolster. Right. And tried getting Eric Spolster fired. And Pat Riley put his foot down and said, no, Spolster's my guy. We've won two two rings with yeah. him. Yeah. And, you know, that led to LeBron's leaving. And I think, yeah, I think part of why LeBron left Miami was because his people felt like his influence over the organization was not as great as they'd like it to be and as great as it could have, could be right. in Cleveland, which is clearly coming to fruition. He had, he had <laughs> LeBron James influenced the Kevin Love trade. Right. When I don't know that that was necessarily the right thing because Wiggins is... Oh, uh, my, my God. Imagine if you had... Uh, you didn't have a max level contract. Mm-hmm. You know? Imagine you had Wiggins on a rook, rookie contract. Yeah. Um... And you, you know, you have Wiggins, Kyrie, LeBron, you know, the Tristan Thompson thing doesn't become an issue because he's not competing with love for time. Right. Um, there are, you have a lot more flexibility and I think the team would probably be better off. I know. I really thought they should have hung on to Wiggins. I mean, nobody knew that he was going to truly develop into the player that he has become, but Wiggins could have helped extend LeBron's career because they both athletic wings and hey uh on nights that lebron needs a break wiggins can guard the other team's best player lebron doesn't have to take on that burden um there's a lot of things that i think lebron could have you know he would have had had no problem being like second fiddle third fiddle right and i'll say this i think that uh when you look at great players um you know they're always lobbying to get their guys on but they never undermined their coach, they might have been right. assholes right. in some way. Right. Jordan, known asshole. Yep. You know, but he. I've never seen anyone act as passive aggressively as right. LeBron James has. Either you come out and say, "I don't like this coach. I want a new coach," and you make it clear with the Cavaliers, right? You know that you that this is not going to work for you, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. But you. Or you, or you try to make it work. So, so, you don't, you don't passively aggressive waste a season and a half. Yeah, you know because you don't want to seem like a bad guy on one hand, mm-hmm. even though you are the bad guy. You are trying to push this guy out. Yeah, you're just not man enough right. to come out and say it. Right. And I don't disagree with him that Blatt was in over his head. Apparently, couldn't manage timeouts. Apparently, you know, didn't know when to take a timeout during a game. Uh, apparently, was not great in the huddle and. But you don't, as a player, don't show up your coach like that Yeah. Uh, in front of other players, in front of the media, all this kind of stuff. As a leader. He's supposed to be a yeah. leader. And everyone yeah. says, oh, look what he does on the court. Guess what? What do you do in the timeouts? What do you do in practices? That's on the court, too. Right. So LeBron James, I hope that uh, you never win another championship. That's my hope. You know what? LeBron James is a terrible general manager. Yeah. So LeBron James, the GM, is going to sink the back half of his career, I think. You know, look yeah. at that team as it's currently constituted. They're not beating Golden State. No. They're not beating Golden State the way they're currently constituted. It's just not happening. They don't have the firepower. They spent too much money in the wrong places. Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love, Timothy Mozgov. I mean, guys who aren't going to help them against the Warriors. Yeah. So you've heard it here first. LeBron James, yeah. no more NBA championships for you. 
All right. We're not winning anymore. See you later. <laughs> Sayonara. You're gonna be. A, you're, you're definitely gonna be go down as the top three players of all time. Yeah. But you're only gonna have two rings. And guess whose rings those are? Pat Riley's. Absolutely. You know. You know what I can't wait for? I can't wait for ESPN's Thirty for Thirty. Oh, about yeah. the the behind the scenes LeBron James or the or the Jordan rules on yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 exactly exactly so I'm I'm pretty pretty excited for that all right um that's a situation that's you know it is what it is they're not winning the title this year they can think what they want but um switch gears into a media update speaking of things that have been undermined right we're gonna wave goodbye to the Bachelor adios Bachelor it was fun for the first two episodes but after that. Um, you're slowly eliminating all the crazies and it's just <laughs> less fun. And my God, Brian, the episodes are long. They're two hours. Uh, I didn't realize what kind of commitment we were signing up for. <laughs> so to our listeners out there, we're going to move on from The Bachelor. We'll resume watching The Bachelor once uh, both our significant others are back with us and we'll, we're forced to watch them. Yeah. And then we'll we'll be able to give you our play by play and detailed analysis. But for now, to tide you over, the X Files has come out, brand yeah. new season. Brian, have you watched it? Before? I, I haven't. Wa- I haven't watched the X Files. I didn't watch the first X Files, but I will uh, check these out for our our show. And it's only think they're doing only six episodes. Right. Yeah. So. And I knew of the old X Files. I had friends who were big fans. A little too scary for me now, but mm. I've kind of grown up. I'm a big boy. Think I can handle it. <laughs> uh, do you want to watch them together, or are you going to be okay? Or maybe Annie will watch them with you? Yeah, we could watch them together. Okay. It would be a scheduling snafu, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you've, we'll got, see. you've got all this free time now in the evenings, so... Yeah, I mean, I'm not as not as free as, as you like to think I am, but yeah, what, I mean, you know... In yeah. between uh, your Jimmy Jones <laughs> and your frozen pizza, you've got some time. <laughs> Alright, so we'll pick up the X-Files uh, ne- on next week's pod. But we, we did uh, just return from a uh, Breckenridge ski trip that yes. was successful. Up in the mountains. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I will say that it is... I never got tired when we went skiing at Highland. I've never been tired at Afton, but I was exhausted after skiing yeah. uh, Copper Mountain. I was exhausted during my first run. Um, but you started on a blue... I started a blue. That's not good. I fell a couple times, and it just... I also think I was dealing with some altitude. Mm-hmm. But it took it took a lot out of me. It did. I, th- I thought that that hurt you that first yeah. day. First run, of the, first run of the first day. Yeah. You do a it, blue. It did not help my confidence at all. <laughs> you, know, you, you, you know, to our listeners out there, you heard it. We were both pretty confident coming in. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, to start off with some falls and... You've got people waiting for you to like get back up on your skis, get your ski. Um, you know, it's a little, um, you know, yeah. It it took away some of my confidence, and yeah, I think that affected the rest of my day. Yeah, which is is too bad. But you you battled through. You, yeah. you finished the day. Yeah, I and had then you had a great day Sunday. I had a great day Sunday. It was. Uh, How just, many hours did you spend in the hot tub? I probably spent a solid five hours in the hot tub. <laughs> um, in and out. You know, we were playing it safe. I was hydrating with um, some of, uh, you know, the best loggers that, Den- that Colorado <laughs> has to offer. But um, it was a great trip. You know, yeah. I'm, 
I think I'd like to make it a annual occurrence. Brian, do you agree? I would I would agree as well. Megan and I were talking and we were just like, gosh, I hope we do this uh, every year or every other year and, right. and really make it. Because it's so much fun and the skiing part, you know, I think you probably handle the first day a little differently and right. I think your skiing experience would be a little better. But ultimately, like, the skiing part is great. Like, the views are amazing. The runs are just... I mean, I can't even... I, it's tough to describe because I, I had no idea what to expect and they were just, they just it, it exceeded my expectations. So Brian, what are the three uh, characters or the three archetypes that you uh, can expect to find on every ski, tri- ski trip? <laughs> Is this a test or something? No, 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 no. It's not a test, but I think, you know, it's something we can come to expect. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll... Also, go, go, go ahead, you, you, you throw some out there. Um, the it. guy who's there for everything but the skiing. Okay. That'd be kind of me. You, you, the drinking and the hot tubbing and the food, the eating. Yeah. Yeah. The fun. The, the, the fun, fun stuff. You know, the fun stuff that doesn't involve hurtling down a mountain at 40 miles an hour. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, that part's fun too, but primarily, you know, the other stuff. Right. Okay. N- so, what's your, so, name, name one for yourself. Well, then, then is there like a polar opposite to that? The the ultimate skier. The ultimate skier. Yeah. The pro. The bro. Yeah. The pro. Um. The bro or the pro. The pro. Okay. Or we call it the ski botro bro troll. <laughs> but basically, yeah, the pro. We, you've got the the pro skier. Mm-hmm. We had um we had a couple pretty um yeah pro skiers yeah. Uh, on our trip. Uh, they apparently did some. Double blacks, even though the, you know, I gotta say they were very patient with us and they were yeah. rode with us most of the time. Um, one one of the guys actually, so one of the pros who was doing double blacks said he actually prefers a nice long blue square. That's like his preference. Yeah, because you're going so fast on the blacks. He said you can't do those all day. Right, you can do like one or two and then you're done. And and so he said he, he prefers the blue squares, which you know, yeah. And then, so what's the third one? I have no idea. Who what's it? What's I don't know. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, yeah. I mean, are there three? Are there? Yeah, there's probably well, there, somewhere there's in the probably middle. like eight. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. three. You've got your, uh, you've got your snowboarder. Okay. Snowboarder who's there? Uh, yeah. Talking incessantly in snowboarder talk, trying to hit up the fresh pow. We had one of those. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a shout out to Brendan Bosman. Uh, yeah. We hope you got your fresh pow pow. <laughs> uh, when he went down the Nar, uh, went after, down the Nar <laughs> after uh, in ta- enjoying the magic carpet ride up, so yeah, yeah, no, it was uh, okay. So you got the the bro, the like the the snowboarder. Um, you know, there's the uh, there's the archetype of of the the timid skier. Yes, sort of just like weaving back and forth their way down right. the hill incredibly slowly right and then but then other than but just on the trip itself i think you could throw in definitely you will all every group will always have the uh the house mom sure yeah um, the planner yeah the planner. yeah um and then um you probably like like a court jester who was who was that was that you i don't know there wasn't much jesting going on yeah was yeah. there no not so much so but I yeah. think that's it for now. On our future trips, we'll update you with what you can expect, um, you know, to see. 
from the from different archetypes. Yeah, the different archetypes. So um, for now, we've given you a solid four. So yeah. you've got the house mom. Yep. You've got the uh, the guy who's there to do everything but ski. Mm-hmm. You've got the the pro and the bro border. <laughs> bro border. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love that you thought Brendan was the the bro border of the trip. Well, he was the one who came closest in the archetype, <laughs> certainly. And he was also using the lingo. He was, yeah, yeah. He he likes the lingo. Uh, so that was our ski experience. You recently had a very interesting experience in another way. Yes. With Uber. So, you know, as we all know, uh, Uber is kind of a part of our daily, if or maybe weekly lives, you know, Mm -hmm. but have you ever wondered what it's like to be on the other side, to be in the driver's seat? I have wondered. I have talked to, I know one guy who did it. Okay. But now now I know two. Now you know two. So I tried it out just this week, and it was, I've got to say, it was a little addicting because it it feels like a game. You yeah. Know, you're just waiting for hits to pop on your phone. You click, yep. go over, you pick them up. And if you like talking to people, most of these people want to talk. Mm-hmm. I was able to dispense advice to... Uh, a wayward youth who had just gotten into a disagreement with her parents and was, you know, getting dropped off at her friend's house because she was angry at her parents. How old was this person? Uh, high school? High school aged. Really? Yeah. And she called an Uber and just, yeah. wow. So high school, if you've got a cell phone. That's crazy. Yeah. And a credit card or a debit card. Right. You know? Yeah. You can run away like crazy. I know. Isn't that insane? So yeah. so you dispense some advice. Wow. So, so. Yeah. Got a little more than her money's worth. Yeah, uh, you know, some sage advice, you know, (laughs) some uh, cliched quotes. Sure. (laughs) Um, But but then, you know, we had uh, a couple of people, this was a Monday night, so there were some people uh, getting off of work Mm -hmm. late. Um, There were a couple of people during the day going to the airport. Yeah. People picking up their dog. So. So you had a dog in the car? I didn't have a dog in the car. I dropped him off. At the dog, board, the place where he had boarded his dog. Okay, yeah. And I think he was going to arrange some other transportation from there. Got it. Uh, did you have any, like, sort of treats or snacks in the car? Like some... No, no, I... Uh, no, no. I, you know why? Because I never rate anyone less than five stars if they are polite and drive safely and expeditiously to my destination. Mm-hmm. So, uh you know, they're no bo- you know, you can't do better than five stars. Why? Yeah. Why would I spend money on water? And that's why, you know, the spending money part is what a lot of drivers should really look out for because yeah. Your profits are not what you think they are. Mm-hmm. So over the course of 8 hours, I think I uh had taken in about a my share of the fare was about $130. Yep. But that doesn't include, you know, the gas is a pretty negligible price. I'm driving a Prius. Right. So all told, for that $130, I probably spent five bucks mm-hmm. in gas. Um, however, or I'm sorry, maybe $10 in gas. However, when you, once you factor in depreciation for the car and the cost of maintenance for the car, um, you start to narrow the margins a little bit. You know, I think the yeah. standard deduction per mile by the IRS is about 57 cents per mile. Mm-hmm. And that should cover like the maintenance and um, 
some depreciation. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, you know, so once you factor that in, I think at the very best, an Uber driver in Minneapolis is only making a dollar or less than a dollar per mile. Yeah, so is it worth it? After taxes. Yeah, so is it worth it? Like, based on what you... I mean, what scenario could you see, like, this being a fruitful endeavor? Um, I think if you see it as a... If you enjoy kind of driving around, Mm -hmm. if you don't mind driving, and you don't mind dealing with people, talking to people, yeah, um, it's a good thing to do if you just want to make some extra money definitely not a full-time um, right it, you know there i think there are probably better ways if you could dedicate if this is your job there are better ways to do it more effectively than giving 25 percent of your of your fare to uber so it's great part-time because uber has high fares because it creates such a low barrier to entry mm-hmm. um, but their cut is still pretty high considering you know they're taking 25 percent of what the customer pays. Yeah, yeah. Or higher sometimes. Yeah, that's pretty significant. So I'd say it's good if, you know, let's say you're an early riser and, you know, your significant other is awake. You've got nothing, you don't have kids. You've got nothing better to do. Drive around for a couple hours and then uh, go back home and make breakfast. Yeah. Come back home with, you know, 30 bucks. But... So uh, are you going to continue to do it or you think... Uh... Well, um... I'm going to try to do it, but I'm not going to plan my life around it. Yeah, yeah. So it will definitely be a, I'm bored mm-hmm. and I've got nothing to do yeah. on a Saturday morning, so I'll turn it on. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to change my plans on a Friday evening uh, for, you know, so to drive an Uber. Yeah, yeah. Um, one, you know, I wasn't doing it late at night, so didn't have to deal with drunk people, but... I will say that when you are downtown, um, the way the Uber location system works is a bit convoluted when it comes to finding groups of people who are somewhere on the street. When you don't, you know, it definitely requires you to make a phone call and say, what are you in front of? Otherwise, you'd Mm -hmm. have no way of uh, finding them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I uh, sounds like I, I'm I'm actually happy you did it because I enjoy hearing about the other side of the Uber experience. Right. And uh, you know, I the, the sentiments you talked about, uh, you know, making money, kind of factoring in some of the costs that people right. don't really think about, um, and even your time. Uh, the guy that the other guy that I knew who did it, he also did the calculation and found that you know it really isn't that. You know, people think they're making a ton of money, but they're really not making that much money. Right. So my by my calculations, um, after Uber takes their cut, after you calculate gas, depreciation, and um, uh, maintenance, you know, future maintenance. Yeah. Um, you're looking at probably ten to eleven dollars um, an hour max. Okay. Max, that's your profit. Um, and I know Uber says you could make up to 25 to $30 an hour. Yeah. I, after you take away all that, those expenses, that comes down to 11 bucks an hour. Yeah. So, 
yeah, there, there, there are factors that you know aren't being considered, but I think you know by some people when they look, when they look at the money they make. Um, any more, anything else on Uber? Do, should we knock off some of these quick hits? Uh, nothing else on Uber, but I will say that this has inspired me to try other professions that I've always been intrigued by. Sure. So who knows? Maybe you'll see me as an undercover server. I'm still working on a place that will let me do that with no experience. Like a a, a waiter. Yes. <laughs> okay. Because everyone, I think, I think it's something I'd enjoy. Sure. For the same reasons I had, you know, enjoyed the Uber. Yeah. Actual, I enjoyed actually doing it, even though it wasn't an efficient way to make money. Yep. Um, you know, you're, you're talking to people, you're interacting with people. Everyone who I've told this idea, they said that I'd be the worst server in the world because I get <laughs> angry at people. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna try to get an undercover undercover gig doing this, and uh, we'll stay tuned. All right, I'm I'm excited. This is the kind of hard hitting journal. You know, uh, we throw ourselves into things, right? And and we don't we don't just report on it from the periphery. We actually get involved and report on it. This is the kind of journalism we we're doing the real the real stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, a man after your own heart. Yes. <laughs> so this was in Chicago. Yeah. Um, or the Chica- Chicago land. So a man was sentenced to three years in prison for theft of 1,800 cases of beer. <laughs> Miller Lite. <laughs> what a guy. Uh Again, you think you'd go for something a little more expensive than Miller Lite? I mean, that's well, not really does it ma- does it matter? Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's still worth a lot of money. But I will say, um, you know, yeah, this guy could have saved himself uh, a lot of jail time if he right won that much beer. Should have gotten a keg. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's your answer to everything: is just get a keg. Feeling down, get a keg. Feeling down, get a keg. Uh, yeah, so Guy Silbeer, you're a lawyer. You probably would have loved to defend the guy. You'd have come to his aid. Yeah, uh, maybe. But when you're when you're caught on on security camera, it's uh, it's hard to. <laughs> you can't really mount a very yeah. Uh... You know when they've got records of your rental truck and your warehouse that you've uh, um, been stashing the stuff. Um, yeah, I, I don't think. I don't think there's much defense that could be. Done. Did he steal with intent to sell? Is that what the is that is that what it was? I would imagine. Yeah. If he stole with intent to consume, <laughs> I would have uh, put on a vigorous defense. Sure. <laughs> From drawing on your own personal experiences, of right. course. Yes. Eighteen hundred <laughs> cases a day. That's a roughly. Um, I'd say a six, five to six year supply of beer. Yeah, yeah. Five, probably closer to five. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a lot of beer. Well, if you're if you're drinking beer all day, every day. Yeah, yeah. And you know, including the weekends. <laughs> including the weekends, yeah. <laughs> well, I I would have loved to, for him to uh, love for you to, to. I would have loved to be at that trial if you were his defense attorney mounting that defense. Well, but lose uh, lose, he got six years. Yeah. Um, so there's another article here. Uh, defiant basketballer April Gell 
suspended over right to taunt. Right. So in uh, Wisconsin, the Wisconsin uh, Interscholastic Athletic Association mm-hmm. was censoring high schools from doing cheers that they thought were too mean. Yeah. Such as yeah. air ball and seasons over. That's part of the uh, That's part of the experience. It is. Um, all so the time. after they banned those, um, this uh, student and star basketball player on her school's team yep. um, wrote a simple three-word tweet that said, Eat shit, W-I-A-A. <laughs> W-I-A-A, of course, being the Wisconsin Interscholastic Athletic Association and... The WIA caught it. They reported it to her school, and the school gave up a five-game suspension. To her credit, she served her suspension and um, did not delete her tweet. Yeah. Leave it up there. Yeah. I think that's a fair game. Mm -hmm. How many times do you see athletes who tweet something and then delete it? It doesn't go away. I mean, people screenshot it, but it's like, just leave it up there. Yeah. We all know that you did that. Yeah. What are you trying to, what are you doing by deleting it? Yeah, I mean, they well, basketball players uh, have lawyers who will tell them to delete it. Right, right. Um, I'm guessing the 17-year-old high school basketball player does not have one yet. Not yet. Although, you will come to her aid. I will come like to the... her aid, just like I, I'm the protector of the beer thieves and the, <laughs> and the defiant high schoolers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh... Here's a funny one. This one is this this news story is. Is this funny, Brian? I'm well judging your. You time know. out. Um, the guy died, so I guess that's not it's not funny, right? But apparently, a Michigan man was watching porn while he was driving, right? And crashed and died, right? Very odd story. He wasn't wearing pants either. <laughs> yes, he wasn't wearing. Or a seatbelt. Or a seat. Well, I mean, you can't wear a seatbelt. I mean, that that would encumber your. Uh, it wouldn't. What you're trying to. <laughs> I don't think it would. Um, you can hike it, move it, move the seatbelt. I suppose. Yeah. Um, you can still, yeah. So <laughs> kind of kind of irresponsible on his part. Kind let's of. Just, let's be honest here. If you're gonna masturbate in your car, wear a seatbelt. Okay. <laughs> um, and maybe you shouldn't be watching pornography. And maybe listening to some, like, you know, maybe some sexy audio instead. Yeah, I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe tone down on the uh, the video porn, yeah, yeah. while and you're driving. Yeah, go to the audio porn, the, yeah. the erotic stories. Absolutely, um, yeah. That way, you get the best of both worlds, and, yep. you know, while you're at it, just get tinted windows, so we don't have to see that. <laughs> but but that, what you want to do in the comfort of your own car is your business. I believe so, but yeah. <laughs> we're gonna protect sure. the personal freedoms, so, you know. Yeah. So if you ever get caught from masturbating in a car, I will defend you. <laughs> However, happy, I will call upon you. Happy trails to this Michigan man. Unfortunately, and tragically, he did die. I hope it was painless, and you know that he went out doing something he loved. Uh, I think that goes without saying. Yeah. Um, what's this last article? This one, this last one article. Totally familiar with. Well, um, you are you've been to Thailand, yes, and you are familiar with the Samsung buckets. 
I don't know that I had one when I was there. With the buckets of alcohol. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. in Thailand, they sell buckets um, that have a mixer and probably a pint of some sort of hard liquor. And you mix it all, and they give you a bucket and a straw. And you mix it all together, and you carry on this bucket, mm-hmm. and you drink it all night through the straw. Anyway, a uh, British man died after drinking four buckets of vodka and Red Bull and 20 bottles of beer plus uh, shots of Jack Daniels, plus shots of uh This is not Sambuca. true. Is this true? This was over a 36-hour period. Wow. Um, and this is tragic. He had a one-year-old daughter. And, oh you know, gosh. this is just one thing where, hey, when you're on vacation... Take it easy, you know. Take yeah. it easy. There's yeah. no reason to, you know. You know he wasn't he wasn't a 21 year old kid. He was 29 years old. Uh, yeah, which makes it even more tragic. And a one year old. Yeah. And all uh, something that it, it was something that so easily could have been prevented. I mean, goes right. without saying. Like, don't drink, don't drink that much. Uh, kind of a little bit off topic, but, uh, you're familiar with the Red Dragon? I am. Yeah. You've been there before for the Wonders Punch? It was one of my, it has been one of my favorite places, Mm -hmm. um, to imbibe in the Twin Cities. Do you feel comfortable sharing, uh, the record? How many, how many you've, how many Wonders Punches you were, have consumed in a night? I think, uh, two. Yeah. I've done two and part of a third. Right. And that was that was way too much. Right. I don't go to the Red Dragon anymore because yeah. after a shooting, they changed <laughs> their jukebox. Um, and the new jukebox doesn't have... has terrible music. So okay. they intentionally yeah. were trying to change the music to change the demographic. Yeah, okay. If you catch my drift. Yeah, and that that's too bad because I did like going to that place as well. It had a... Kind of an interesting vibe. The shooting vibe, obviously, is not cool. But other than that, it was it was a, a great place to go. Well, as the summer of Bryshin continues until July. July, yeah. Um, we'll go to the Red Dragon at least once. All right. And we'll uh, we will not try to set any records for the Wondrous Punch. Yeah, we don't need we to. We will give it a go and see if it tastes uh, the same or worse. Yeah, it'll be a good time. Um. All right, I think that we covered everything we needed to for this week. Um, got anything else that you want to? No, just stay tuned, watch X Files, and uh, be prepared to chat with us. We are planning some ski trips over the next few weeks, so if you're interested in skiing with your favorite podcasters, pay keep an eye on our Twitter feed because we will announce a time and place um, via Twitter. All right, uh, that'll do it for the Flannel Manifesto this week. We'll try not to have uh such a pause between weeks we we took we had the tri- ski trip obviously you you were out of town for a weekend we had a bunch of stuff going on but we'll we'll get back in the routine of, of once a week um you can find us on twitter at the flannel pod uh we are also reachable via email and it's the flannel manifesto at gmail.com until next week talk to you later Thank you for listening. This has been the Flannel Manifesto.